if you want to see Jack Dorsey talk openly about what happened at Twitter, well, he's going to do that on Noster. If you want to see Snowden be openly riff with the plebs about his thoughts, that's going to happen on Noster. That is already happening on Noster. If you want to tune into Lynn Alden and kind of get some of her less official takes and kind of get, get to know her a little bit deeper, that's happening on Noster. Greetings and salutations, my fellow plebs. My name is Walker, and this is the Bitcoin Podcast. The Bitcoin block height is 825515, and the value of one Bitcoin is still one Bitcoin. Today's episode is Bitcoin Talk, where I talk with my guest about Bitcoin and whatever else comes up. Today, that guest is Melian, the creator of Noster Client Primal. In case you're not aware, Noster stands for Notes and Other Stuff Transmitted by Relays. It's an open, decentralized protocol for communication, which is currently being used primarily for censorship-resistant social media, but which has limitless potential applications. Melian and I dig into the story of Primal, challenges and opportunities that come with building on Noster, the next wave of Noster adoption, what makes Noster different, creator monetization, and a whole lot more. If you're already using Noster, I think you'll find this conversation very interesting. And if you haven't tried Noster yet, I think this discussion will give you some good reasons to check it out. If you're on Noster or just joining, let me know what you thought of the episode, and I will zap you some sats. You can find me on Noster at primal.net slash walker and Milian at primal.net slash Milian. That's M-I-L-J-A-N. Before we get started, I want to remind you that the Bitcoin halving is just a few months away, and I find that much more exciting than the Bitcoin ETF. So now is a great time to get your Bitcoin off the exchanges and into your own custody. Go to bitbox.swiss slash walker and use the promo code walker for 5% off the Bitcoin only Bitbox O2 hardware wallet. The Bitbox O2 is fully open source. You can verify it for yourself on their GitHub. No need to trust me. But it's super easy to set up, and it's a great tool for seasoned psychopaths and new Bitcoiners alike. When you go to bitbox.swiss slash walker and use that promo code walker, not only do you get 5% off, but you also help support another fucking Bitcoin podcast. So, thank you. As always, you can watch the video version of this episode on Rumble, YouTube, or X by searching at Walker America. Or listen on Fountain.fm or wherever you get your podcast by searching for The Bitcoin Podcast. If you listen to The Bitcoin Podcast on Fountain, consider giving this show a boost or creating a clip of something you found interesting. And if you have not checked out Fountain yet, I highly recommend you get on it. Finally, if you are a Bitcoin-only company interested in sponsoring another fucking Bitcoin podcast, hit me up on social media or through the website bitcoinpodcast.net. Without further ado... Let's get into this Bitcoin talk with Melian. Man, how how are you? How was Nostrasia? I actually just watched your uh, your talk there that you gave. Well, I know you gave a few, uh, like a panel, and then you gave a talk on just kind of primal and everything that's going on. But that looked like an amazing, amazing event. Yes, it was an amazing event. Um, you probably remember uh, Nostrica back in March. That was March, right? Yeah, it it feels like longer ago, but it it yeah. wasn't that long ago at all. It feels like a lifetime ago in <laughs> Noster terms, doesn't it? 
Yeah, it really does. You kind of roll back the tape and just think about where everybody was back then, where all the clients were. Um, I mean, we had just released uh, the very first public preview of Primal like two days before Nostrika. Wow. Yeah. What was that? uh, you mean the the on the web version like primal.net that's right so i fell down the rabbit hole a little bit less than a year ago so we're still i'm still you know my i created my key pair on dom was on december 25th so nice. my anniversary is still coming up um so fell down the rabbit hole pretty hard uh decided to build something right away put the uh, well found the first kind of uh, developer to work with um, by kind of mid to late January. We started coding, uh, got another guy on board, and the plan or the goal was to have something, whatever it is, something uh, launched before uh, Nostrika. Um, so we kind of made it happen. So we built the first iteration of the caching service. This was kind of, uh, as you, as you probably know, our angle on on Oster, and then a very rudimentary uh, web client that's utilizing that service, and we kind of launched that. And I thought no one's gonna notice, but at least you know I'm going to have some reference point when speaking to people at Nostra, uh, sorry, Nostrica in Costa Rica. <laughs> and uh, to my amazement, everybody noticed it. Everybody there. So the tiny little community that is Noster, and it was even smaller back then. Almost everybody it's, noticed that it was uh, it was a really nice intro to the whole group. Well, I you know I remember when when you first launched Primal because before that uh, it, it was really tough to get any decent stats on just overall the Noster adoption. You know, how, like you know, just there were a few different websites publishing stuff about you know here's the total number of zaps or you know here's the the number of uh, NPUBs that have been created, things like that. But it was all kind of spread out. And I, I remember the first time I opened up that Primal Explore page and I was like, oh, wow, this is like this is amazing to see. And then to see the trending view as well, like it was just something that because uh, I actually uh, my Noster Nosterversary is tomorrow, actually. Uh, it'll be, it's December 14th. And I, I was able to find exactly when it was. I, I, I had a rough idea. But I was actually using the Primal mobile app because uh, I spun up a, an NPUB for this podcast on there. And I was using the mobile app and I went onto my uh, Walker profile and I just started scrolling. I was like, let me see how far I can scroll with Primal. Like, is it going to cut me off at any point? And it did not. I literally, I mean, I had to scroll a lot. It turns out I've sent a lot of notes uh, and other stuff. But I just kept scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. And finally, it took me a while, but I got back to the very start and I was like, oh, here we go found the the note uh, ID and I was like wow now I've got my my official anniversary all uh all taken care of there but it's wild to see it just in a year how much things have exploded and I, I you know I've seen some people talking about oh we're in like a little bit of a, a lull or something like that but it doesn't it doesn't feel that way maybe that's just people feeling that way because they're feeling their engagement is lower or something you know, who can say, but I mean, from where I'm sitting, it, it seems as though the network has continued to grow. And I was just looking at your uh, Primal Explore page again today, and it looks like the network has been growing, but I'm, you know, I'm curious from your seat, 
seeing this now. You guys have just launched your and Android and iOS. You're on both of the you know the Google Play Store, the App Store, out of beta and into full production. Are you guys seeing a pretty nice uptick in in users and just with the other data that you guys are able to look at with all the services you provide, what are you seeing in terms of kind of the network trends over the last couple of months? Well, first, a small correction. So we're fully live with the uh, 1.0 iOS app in the App Store. Uh, We're still in beta with uh, Android, and I like to consider our web app kind of still in beta, although we're very close. Um, we're, we're very close in both of those, and and the plan, the the aim is to have both Android and web fully launched uh, by the end of the year. So that's kind of what nice. we're gunning for. Nice. Uh, to answer your question, uh, when it comes to network growth, um, it's interesting. I think uh, I kind of sympathize with the point of view that we're in a bit of a bear when it comes to user growth. Uh, Obviously, we're signing up new users, and you can see more activity on the network. But it's not kind of it's not hockey sticking. It's not taking off in a big way. And honestly, I think that's a bit of a blessing in disguise for uh, many of us developers. Because if we were hockey sticking right now, we'd be like it, it. It's complex enough as it is to build all this infrastructure from from zero. Uh, and if you had all kinds of uh, crazy amount of like new users signing up at the same time, they'll be tough. Uh, so on the user growth side of things, I think we've plateaued a little bit and we're kind of growing organically from here and kind of um, it's going to be interesting to see what the next big cohort of users will is going to be. So I'm, I'm really curious to kind of brainstorm with you about that. Uh, yeah. But g- going back to the network itself, I think when it comes to developer engagement and developer, um, the, the number of new projects that are sprouting, not just the number, but the quality, like in just about every direction, uh, when it comes to development activity on the protocol, it's off the charts. I'm to the point where I'm full-time in Oster and I can't keep up with all the good projects that are being spun up. Uh, so that's extremely encouraging. And I would say unique in this space. You know, there are a number of other protocols for decentralized publishing, decentralized social media. As Rabble likes to, you know, point out, this is not a new thing. People have been trying to do these things for a long time. So, so that's all. I appreciate all of that. However, the amount of developer engagement that we're seeing in Noster, it, I think, is unprecedented compared to all these other protocols. I mean, and it's it's pretty cool just how much is being built out in the open. And I I, I want to I have a a bunch of stuff to kind of brainstorm and pick your brain about here. Before we get too deep, I'd love to take a step back though uh, for anyone listening uh, and maybe give you a, a proper introduction and then let you introduce yourself a little. So this is uh, this is a Bitcoin talk episode, but I think. Uh, Usually, this will uh, probably transition into more of a Noster talk because that is, uh, I think, where both of our heads are at right now. But you are Milian. You are the creator of Primal. Uh, you have built a team around you now. And Primal started out in the web, as we said. You are now, and thank you for the correction, in beta still on Android, but live on the Apple App Store. 
you also have a Lightning Wallet integrated into the Primal iOS app. I was able to buy sats with Apple Pay when I was setting up, which was super nice because I just went into onboarding myself into Primal like I'm a, a completely new user to it. Like, let me just see what this Noster thing's all about and see how easy this is. And it was super easy. Um, it was a really nice onboarding flow. And the ability to buy a few sats to start zapping with Apple Pay was really, really nice. But I'd love to just start out with, you know, who you are, Milian, and how did you get here today to be building clients on Noster, this nascent protocol? What 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 was that path like? What's your story here? Ooh, um, okay, let's see how far <laughs> we're going to go. Born and raised in Belgrade, as far, Serbia. As far as you want. <laughs> Uh, born and raised in Belgrade, Serbia, and I think that might have something to do with what we're discussing here. Because as a kid there, as a teenager, I witnessed the hyperinflation uh, episode back in former Yugoslavia back then. And um, I, I don't think I was overly traumatized by it. I thought it was hilarious. I was just a punk kid. It was just like, uh, you know... A, a lot of wild stuff going on all around you. And by the way, we had one of the all-time greats in terms of uh, hyperinflation episodes. I think it was a top three uh, ever. So I think we had Weimar Germany, Zimbabwe, and then former Yugoslavia, right? So even though I don't think I was super traumatized about it, it kind of did leave a mark. So... You know, I moved to Canada when I was 19, uh, went to school there, dropped out of computer science after a couple of years, started working, building stuff. Uh, I've been kind of building software startups for, for a very long time, uh, probably close to, well, approaching 30 years, actually, Bill. So... Um, yeah, I've done quite a few software companies, uh, spent uh, some time in developer tools, probably over a decade, uh, had an um, enterprise software company, which was acquired by Microsoft uh, back in 2015, uh, tried to retire, didn't work for me, uh, fell down the Bitcoin rabbit hole back in 2017, um, and uh, decided to do a Bitcoin startup. So uh, I, I did like a Bitcoin onboarding startup uh, called Rise Wallet, where we were um, onboarding people onto non-custodial Bitcoin using physical gift cards. So did that for a few years, um, sold that company to a, a small publicly traded Bitcoin company in Canada. And I was just kind of tinkering with decentralized publishing protocols, decentralized social media, just kind of in my spare time, being a bum basically for a few years, not really doing much. Um, and uh, interestingly, I ran into Noster um, mid last year and dismissed it. <laughs> uh, so, so hand up, totally uh, missed Noster the first time I looked at it. And I wonder how many parallels we could draw to Bitcoin when it comes to these types of things. Like how many times do you need to actually um, have contact with Bitcoin to s decide to take a closer look, right? So we all went through that journey. Uh, so f for me, luckily for Nostra, it was just once. 
And then I guess when Jack Dorsey started making a bit of noise about it on Twitter and when Elon did his famous post and um, we kind of, I decided to take a closer look and literally as I was reading through NIP1, it kind of hit me, okay, this is actually going to work, right? So decided to uh, put a team together and and try to build something. And back then, things were quite early. Like many of the clients were very rough around the edges. So my first, my second, my first thought was like, okay, this is going to work. And my second thought was, I wonder how good this can get. I wonder in terms of UX performance, these types of things, because. Obviously, it's uh, Noster is kind of optimizing for decentralization and censorship resistance, which I think at the protocol level is absolutely what we need. Uh, but that comes at the expense of performance, UI, completeness of data, things like that. So I, I was wondering, I was like, I almost had this itch that I needed to scratch immediately, which is like, um, I wonder, you know, if 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 somebody kind of put together a project that was uh, optimizing for UX, so uh, carefully assessing all the trade-offs and then uh, optimizing, like selecting the trade-offs in a way that optimizes for UX, while also being mindful of things like uh, you know centralization and being and, and avoiding some of the common pitfalls. So I decided to build that kind of client, and that's primal, essentially. Um, so every step along the way, we uh, we want to basically do everything possible to make the UX as good as it can possibly be on Noster. Um, and that means uh, doing a ton of stuff that uh, you know that, that wasn't there. For example, the, the caching service is a part of it. Right? Uh, the reason why we built the caching service and just some background for people who might not know um, the primal caching service essentially um, uh, connects to all of the publicly accessible relays so we try to collect all of the, the uh, all of the notes that are being published in real time uh, and uh, we aggregate that into our own service into our own database essentially and then we use that to be able to very quickly serve uh, content uh, in in ways that are that's kind of comparable sometimes even better than the legacy centralized uh, services so at the high level our model is that all of the cli uh, primal clients connect to all the relays directly and do all the publishing directly to the relays to the set of relays that you've um, defined as a user um, but for reading we uh, use we use a combination of the caching service and working with the relays uh, directly as well so we can get into those details uh, maybe later if you're interested but uh, we've decided to leave no stone unturned to make ux as good as it can possibly be uh, so again that included writing this caching service uh, and then as as a kind of kind of side effect of that we're like hey we have all this data we can probably use it for, to do other useful things for users for example full text search is useful 
let's see if we can do that. So we, we implemented that as well. And then we have the, the whole notion of trending content and other algorithmic types of feeds that you can do when you have access to all the data. And when I say all the data, it's under quotation marks. It, there's no such thing on Oster as all the data. Like who, who knows what kind of relays are being spun up out there that we are not aware of. We try to get to all the data we can to publicly accessible uh, relays. And I think we are able to um, collect the data from all the relays that want to be seen, essentially. Um, so that's kind of the framing behind uh, Primal, and this is kind of the, the uh, goes goes further, goes all the way. So when we make decisions around how to best support zapping within Primal, within Primal apps, uh, <clears throat> we decided that this first user experience that you just described, which, by the way, is music to my ears, that you were able to uh, easily get onboarded and buy some sats and start zapping. This is precisely what we uh, were trying to accomplish. Uh, so it seems like the first 1.0 release is, is quite good when it comes to that. But of course, we're going to further refine it and improve it and do more user testing and make sure that there are no kind of walls that users hit anywhere, that just about anyone who downloads the app is able to create a profile, uh, get onboarded with some sats, and start having fun zapping, which I think is is a kind of a fundamental uh, feature of Noster, the ability to zap. And it's a, it's a fundamental function that I think has the potential to uh, to change everything, maybe. So I laid out quite a bit of stuff here. Let me know what you want to pack further. Uh, no, I, I I love it, and that's that's why I like to ask that question because uh, you never know where it'll take you. Uh, you know, it's funny you mentioned uh, running across Noster at you know at some point before you know mid twenty twenty two and kind of dismissing it. Uh, I did the exact same thing. I was on Fiat Joff's GitHub looking at something uh, he was uh, some lightning based thing he was working on. And I'm, I'm not a developer, but I do enjoy perusing GitHub and, and taking a look at what's going on and seeing, <laughs> okay, are, is there anything interesting that I should be aware of? And, and I saw this on his GitHub, I saw, you know, Noster like this, okay. Decentralized social media and, you know, it's trying to be as simple as possible. And I kind of, you know, glanced, glanced over it a little bit. And I was like, you know, I, I don't have time for this or whatever. I don't know what this is. Uh, let me on to the next thing, you know. And then it was uh, it was when Will posted his beta testing link on Twitter for uh, for test flight, and I said, you know, that was months later, and I said, oh, I I remember this from before, so now I can do this right here on my on my phone. Okay, great. Let me try that, and then. From there, you know, I was I was hooked and started actually going deeper into it and was like, why didn't I pay attention to this more before? But it, it's as you said, as with Bitcoin, sometimes you need those multiple touch points to be able to say, ah, wait, this is something that I should pay attention to. I, I need to pay attention to this. This could be really, really important. And, uh, you know, just getting uh, into Primal specifically a little bit, I think your focus on that initial user experience is so key because one of the things that I would hear, you know, when I was at like Bitcoin conferences earlier last year, when I would try to, you know, talk to people about Noster who hadn't yet tried it out, you know, it was already a lot of Bitcoiners on there by, you know, March, April, May, but still a lot that had not yet played around on there. 
And so you're at conferences and Bitcoiners should, by all rights, be the first ones to, to get why Noster is so important as a protocol and why in its many of its current uses as a social media protocol and network, it is so useful. And the, as you said, the integration of Zaps is massive. It's using Bitcoin as your way to signal value on a protocol like that's that's beautiful. But what I would constantly run into is people saying, oh, well, I just, you know, I tried this client or this client and I, and I didn't see anything. You know, I wasn't seeing anyone pop up, I was, you know, or there doesn't seem to be anyone on here. I don't get how I'm supposed to do this. What are all these relays I need to set up? You know, obviously, basically all the clients have improved a lot since then. But that was one of the big hurdles for most people and even most Bitcoiners who should have gotten it a lot quicker. That was a big hurdle for them was just that initial onboarding pain point not being as smooth as they expected it to be because when they hear when people hear social media i think they expect even though it's a decentralized protocol they expect it to be as smooth and seamless as signing up for twitter uh, as signing up for facebook if anyone is still using facebook i'm not sure i think so uh but it, it's kind of funny really because now we're at the point where I think we've actually gone, uh, the pendulum has swung way, way, way to the other side where now it's so much easier to get onboarded onto a Noster client. And I think it always was, but now the clients like Primal and, and others have made it feel so much easier. Like it is much easier to set up your account on Primal than it is to set up a new Twitter profile. Like it, it's night and day difference. You're not having to stick in your email, not having to do any you know authentication anything like that. You just download it, generates you a key pair. Okay. Set up your profile. Great. You're good to go. Save those like you would any password. And oh, by the way, if you want to create a Bitcoin wallet, here you go. That that's an amazing experience and it takes literally seconds to do it. And I'm, I'm curious if you're able to talk about it at all, how were you guys able to get around some of Apple's uh, restrictions on the app store? Uh, with, you know, inline on post zaps or, or on note zaps. And are, are you able to talk about that at all? And are you at all worried about Apple doing any, having any weird shenanigans in the future where they try to kneecap you guys? Is that a concern? Or of at course, least I should say yes. Apple, Apple in the USA, especially, you know, that's. Well, uh, yes, I'm uh, able to talk about it definitely. And we just like, all other Nostra users have been frustrated with what happened there to Damos and, and how Apple threw its weight around and just decided no zaps for you guys, <laughs> you being iOS users. Uh, and, uh, you know, we we analyzed that uh, alongside other Nostra developers, looking at different pros and cons, look, looking at different ways we could actually get in there and try to get zaps back into uh, onto iOS. Um, and we noticed that uh, another Noster developer, current app, uh, they they um, have an app that essentially uh, was able to get uh, Zaps back into the iOS uh, platform just by offering a custodial wallet and a simple small in-app purchase. Um, so we just experimented and 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 kind of 
tried implemented the same thing. We kind of our, our wallet is a little bit more elaborate, and there is not much discussions going on with Apple when you submit uh, uh, apps, especially as new developers. Um, from what I understand, they don't really discuss. They don't like to discuss things even with much bigger developers, uh, much bigger publishers, um, because um, they they don't want to open a can of worms they uh, they're really after monetizing the app store and they've gone to court against the likes of amazon and won so uh, it's not reasonable for us uh you know a lowly noster developers at this point anyway uh, to uh expect some sort of audience with apple and some sort of even kind of uh reasonable discussions or anything like that all we can do is build apps, submit them to the store, uh, and uh, look at the feedback and, and, and uh, you know, wait for approvals. This sucks as, as a model for, for building software. This definitely is problematic because in this day and age under this model, you don't, as a kind of software developer, you don't ship a product when you say it's ready, you ship a product when Apple says it's ready. And same goes to a lesser extent, a similar situation as is on Google. Um, so this is a problem. Um, and you can kind of, you can approach it a couple of different ways, you can say, well, we're going not going to, we're not going to pursue uh, you know, placing zaps in, in, uh, into iOS clients. Uh, we're just going to give up on iOS uh, and can make Android a lot better, uh, improve uh, progressive web apps, do it, like look at all the alternative ways that we can uh, offer these features to users. Um, or uh, our kind of take on it is that at this early stage of Noster development, where we kind of need all the users we can sign up, we need to uh, in, uh, kind of increase network effects around Noster. Um, what we at Primal decided to do is to do our best on every platform and form factor imaginable. And iOS is a massive part of it, of course. There are so many users on iOS and, and we uh, just need to do the best we can to provide the best possible experience there is and the best possible feature set uh, on iOS, given all the constraints. So it was evident that Apple, for whatever reason, I'm not really, I don't really understand their logic, I must say. Um, uh, for whatever reason, they don't seem to like non-custodial wallets. So basically, when you when you uh, connect to, through Nostra Wallet, connect to an external wallet, and uh, use that to zap individual notes so essentially to provide tipping on the note level they seem to be okay tipping uh, profiles so, so sending uh, sats to people uh, individual like directly uh, but they don't like the idea of tipping content uh, using this method and uh, all I can think of uh, there, like they never provided, as far as I understand, they never provided some sort of elaborate explanation to to the Damos team or anyone else. They just said, no, you can't. Um, and uh, my guess is that they're trying to protect, they're trying to not make precedents that would jeopardize some of their bigger cash cows uh, elsewhere. 
and they're more than willing to sacrifice Noster user base, which currently right. is a rounding error, but that's going to change. And <laughs> I think at some point the balance of power changes here. We're just not there yet. Uh, so to answer your question, are we concerned about this? Uh, yeah, we are. I mean, we. I don't know if this is the final solution. Uh, you know, our product was approved multiple times already, like in the App Store. We didn't ship the very first uh, feature, the uh, very first version that was approved. Uh, so we went through the approval process multiple times without any issues. Uh, on iOS, when you submit, when you create in-app purchases, the, each individual in-app purchase also needs to go through the approval process. So that was fine as well. So for all we know, what we're doing is is fine with Apple, but would I bet that this is absolutely the final solution forever? I don't know, uh, but we're we're going to use this time to sign up as many users as possible, and to put Sats into the hands of those users so it can start zapping uh, as much content as, uh, as as possible as well. Oh, I I love it, and it's it's so absurd to me. I remember when very vividly when Apple let Will know that they were, you know, going to remove Domus if he didn't take out the note level zaps. Again, the profile zaps, as you said, were okay, but the note level, and if I, I believe if I'm remembering correctly, the slim justification that they gave was that it constituted providing, uh, you know, monetary value for digital content. Like, like they were viewing it as an actual exchange of money for content, even though it, of course that's not what's happening at all. It's just like a, it's just like a tip, right? It's, it's a, a donation, if you will. It's it, it, and it's, so it's, it is, and, it, and it's completely just arbitrary where they're right. saying, okay, even though we've been explained multiple times, and I think we'll even manage to get somebody like a human on the phone a few times, which is shocking for Apple. Uh, but I guess it shows that maybe the Noster community, even at that time, being very, very small, must have made enough noise. So that's a good sign, I guess. Imagine once we... I think we, we have you know, a 10 couple or of friends in high places, maybe. <laughs> yeah, that, that helps, I think. But it, it's just, it's a ridiculous thing. And I guess it's one of the... It's a good reminder that even with a decentralized protocol, if you're still utilizing centralized services as gatekeepers, that is always going to be an attack vector. So it's, you know, obviously on, if it's a web-based app or a progressive web app, that's a different, uh, different ball game, right? But if we think about PWAs, if you, you know, Apple could very easily make PWAs extremely difficult to use on their devices as well with, you know, without batting an eyelash. So it, it's a tricky balance to keep. And, you know, it, I'm curious, uh, is the reason that they're, okay with so basically if, if i'm understanding the flow correctly of what you guys are doing now yes you're allowed to do note levels apps and that's because when users are onboarded they can receive bitcoin by buying it with apple pay do they take a cut of the uh the purchase of those sats or because it's through apple pay do they say, okay, it's all good. This is still flowing through our channels. We're getting a couple percent on the back end either way. And so we're fine with it. Do you know the, any of the intricacies of how Apple makes that judgment? 
So first of all, yes, uh, Apple is taking their cut, and it's more than a couple of percent. So they're taking their is it full, the full 30? App, Apple tax. It's Jeez. not 30% in every jurisdiction. It's actually 15 okay. in U.S. and Canada and 30 everywhere okay. else. Uh, so uh, that when you do an in-app purchase of SATs on, on the Primal app, this is kind of the tax you're getting hit by. Uh, th this is part of the reason why we limited these in-app purchases to only $5 at a time, because these are not cheap SATs, and we don't want people paying you know, uh, too much money for SATs. Uh, by the way, Primal doesn't make any money when you do an in-app purchase of SATs. So there is a, there is a fee that Apple charges, and that we our partner is Strike as well. They have a one percent fee there as well. Uh, Primal doesn't make any money there. Uh, so the they never provided the full explanation to us as to why like why this is okay and why we are approved. We just got approved. Uh, my interpretation of it was that it's kind of, or my rationalization of it, <laughs> is that um, it's similar to, let's say, I don't know if Spotify is a good, a good example, but I'm going to use them. Uh, if, if you, so on Primal, you sign up as a new user, you don't have any SATs, you can gain SATs, you can get SATs by doing an in-app purchase. And if you do so, you're paying the Apple tax. And then you're part of this kind of system on Oster where you can zap around. If, however, you don't need to buy uh, uh, your SATs through an in-app purchase, the receive function of the wallet works the moment you activate it. So if you already have SATs, you can just activate your wallet, hit receive, and send yourself some SATs and then use them for zapping. So this kind of pattern is in some ways similar to, let's say, I don't know, let's say Spotify or let's say uh, in-app purchases of books on Audible or things like that. Uh, Apple wants a cut, like their cut if you're buying content through them. But if you bought it elsewhere and you happen to have it and you're accessing it through your iOS apps, they, they seem to be fine with it. So there is a parallel here. I really don't know if this is the answer, uh, but that's how I'm rationalizing it for now. I mean, it seems it seems like a reasonable analogy anyway. It, it is just such a shame that they they are so opaque as these gatekeepers, because obviously the iOS market is massive, and I believe you guys are also developing natively. Uh, you're not developing cross-platform, right? It's native IO, uh, building on iOS, and like you have two separate code bases for iOS and Android, right? No yes. cross-platform development. That's so another that's a lot one more of work. <laughs> it is. That's a one of those another one of those trade-offs that we talked about uh, previously, where you know uh, we could have done React Native and probably have had shipped both apps months ago, but we decided that we want the best possible UX and the best possible performance and to leave no stone unturned, as I mentioned previously, which means going native on both iOS and Android. And uh, there's basically no overlap in terms of code. There's no code reuse between the two platforms, <laughs> even though it's all been done within the same team. Uh, so yes, that's that's kind of our take on things. Now, it's a, uh, I mean, it's a slower road, but ultimately you're going to be providing a better experience in the end. So I think that's uh, it's admirable that you're going that way. I'm I'm curious. I want to uh, switch maybe gears a little bit, and I want to talk about something that's obviously 
a concern now on Noster, but I think will become certainly a bigger concern as more and more people become aware of this network. And that is spam, content moderation, and how to best handle that. Uh, because obviously, you know, people are already uh, spamming. Uh, there has already certainly been content posted that uh, should probably not be posted. There are some people who would go to one extreme and say, you know, post absolutely anything you want. Nothing should be stopped. Doesn't matter what it is. And there are other people on a, the other side of the spectrum who say, well, listen, uh, certain things should absolutely not be posted. This, you know, it's ridiculous that you'd even think that it should be completely free. And then I think a lot of us, at least myself, I fall uh, in the middle where I view it as it is, you know, up to essentially the relay that, you know, whichever relay you may be using to set whatever rules they want, right? If you don't like the rules on a relay, you can, you know, publish your notes to a different relay. That's kind of the beauty of Noster, right? It's not, it's not that it gives you complete freedom from censorship. It's just that it gives you censorship resistance where it's, I like to use the, you know, the analogy of like a, a hydra from Greek mythology, like you can cut off one head, two will grow in its place. You have options. You have that optionality to say, I don't like this client. I don't like this relay. I don't like their rules. So I'm going to use another one. Or if you have the ability, I'm going to build my own. But I'm curious how you guys, because you're obviously with your caching services, and I want to dig into those a little bit too, but with all the services you provide, all the data that you're aggregating, you have exposure to basically all of Nostra, probably as close to a complete network view as you could get. So how are you guys thinking about handling spam, handling content moderation, and I guess what concerns do you have going forward as we see more and more growth in this network? Okay, there's a lot going on there, so let's I know, I know. <laughs> let's go. I'm done. That's, this is a good, uh, this is a, a great topic, maybe the most important topic. Yeah. Uh, so, first of all, there are no gatekeepers on, on the protocol level. So, Noster as a protocol there's there's no specific person or company or organization that can say what's allowed what isn't uh so so that's massive right there this is kind of what jack dorsey was talking about that, that this core uh shouldn't be owned by anyone it needs to be a public a common good like uh and, and be based on a protocol so we do have that with uh with noster now the next question is how do you provide content moderation on such a radically open network where anyone can post anything. Um, I'm going to guess that most people are uh, don't want to see everything. <laughs> I certainly don't, right? Like, but who should decide uh, what I get to see? Uh, I think I should decide as a user. And uh, each individual user should have uh, the tools and the power to decide how they want to shape their Noster views and how do, want, they want to shape social media and web uh, views in terms of uh, content moderation and, and etc. So the way we are approaching it at Primal is uh, we, well, first of all, we build apps and services for Noster. So in that respect, we'll, I think we're a little bit unique at the moment, and Noster usually developers either uh, decide to build apps or services. Uh, we decided to kind of build 
to, to, to kind of play in both of these areas. Um, going back to our original uh, goal of providing best possible UX, this was just necessary. So, and I think this is a great long-term strategy for Primal, where we build apps for Noster and then we build services. And these services include the indexing service that I mentioned, which um, provides full text search of Noster, the caching service, which is kind of an acceleration service that uh, provides very fast response times for commonly requested content. Uh, then we have the media hosting service. Uh, we have uh, classification services, like things like uh, identifying spam and not safe for work content and so forth. So we're kind of running all of these services and we have kind of the, the UI, the, the apps that the users are using. So, and by the way, our entire stack is open source. So we are realizing that some of these things that we are doing are introducing centralizing factors to Noster. Uh, specifically, any sort of a service has the potential to centralize around itself if it's, if it's too successful, right? So, um, so we realized that by running an indexer for Noster that people are utilizing, that this is introducing a centralizing force to Noster. So, uh, we're not happy with that, and our solve for that, our, our uh, way to mitigate that is to open source it. So to make sure that, and by the way, we're open sourcing it under the MIT license, so the most permissive license. We're literally giving it away. Uh, so you, anyone can set up their own uh, caching service, their own indexing service, etc., based on Primal's code and set their own rules and, and, uh, and so forth. So um, the dream is that these services and clients are built in such a way to make them interoperable with other Nostr services and clients. So, and I think we'll, we'll get there in 2024. I'm pretty excited about where things are going, uh, you know, working closely with other Nostr developers as well. It would be amazing if uh, in Primal or any other Noster app, you can say, uh, yes, uh, I'd like to, I like the UI of this app, but use this indexing service and use this media hosting service and use this uh, content classification service, etc. So you're kind of opting in uh, into uh, things as a user. And then from Primal's point of view, we want to make sure that Primal is that kind of client where you can uh, select these types of things as a user, but also that our services are such that they are provided in a standard manner so that uh, users of other clients can decide, oh, okay, well, actually, I think that uh, Primal's content classification service is pretty good uh, when it comes to, let's say, spam detection. I'll subscribe to that. So... Uh, the the this is the social media and this is online publishing and the web as it should be I think where you uh, have uh, a number of open services that are operated by different actors and the user has the control to opt in or opt out in, into any one of those services individually. I I think that that is such a a truly beautiful concept. And it's one of the things that's genuinely so exciting about Noster is that you have the option to choose, right? And 
one could make the argument that, well, with platforms, you can choose whether you use Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or TikTok, but it couldn't be further from the truth, really. You, you simply have the option to choose completely different silos, completely different walled gardens, where, uh, where you cannot take any of your following with you. You cannot take your audience with you. You can't connect with the same people. It's such an incredibly powerful thing that on Noster, where, whatever client you spin up that key pair on, you can take it and move it anywhere else without any penalty, taking and able to still communicate in the exact same way. And no one can stop you from doing that. That is just a beautiful and powerful thing. And I think that, you know, again, right now we're seeing implementations at the social media level, right? We're, we're seeing analogs to Twitter. Um, some that are more Instagram, like that are clients that are focusing more on that, uh, visual experience, you know, grid type experience. I think we'll see clients that are trying to emulate something like a TikTok, where, you know what, we're just going to feed you and focus on video based content. And maybe that filtering is done at the relay level, uh, for whatever client is running that relay. They're also just filtering it right there. And that's the beauty of it though, is that you can basically choose your adventure on Noster. You can choose your experience and back to what you said, just when it comes to moderation, it's not about someone being the arbiter of yes, this is good. Yes, this is bad. It's about giving people the right to choose that for themselves, which is completely new. I mean, you, you don't have that right on other platforms, uh, or I should say on platforms, you have that right on Noster because it's inherent, right? You have to, it's an opt in versus maybe we'll let you opt out. And I, I just think that's such a incredible thing. I, I'm, I'm well, curious. So sorry just, to cut you off. Like, uh, oh yeah, that's a no, really please do. profound thought. Yeah. With other platforms, you can opt out of the whole network really. That's your only option, right? The, 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 That's it. Their silo, as you mentioned. And with Noster, with these types of services that we're discussing, uh, you not only have the option to opt in or opt out of any individual service, but also we need to set the standard, we need to set the bar higher than that even, where uh, it's the services that we're offering, they need to be transparent as well. So not just a yes or no, take it or leave it type of thing, but here is the algorithm. Here's the source code of the algorithm. Here's what we're doing exactly. And you know that this is the true algorithm because you can take the whole stack or any part of the stack, stand it up yourself and see the results. And there, there's the third uh, part, which is verifying what's coming out of the algorithm. So I think, um, I think we should set the standard so high. I mean, of course, Noster is a permissionless protocol, so anyone can build anything they want on it, including completely closed clients and services and closed source, uh, you know, indexers and things like that. I, I'm not sure, but I think Primal is the only open source indexer for Noster right now. And somebody please correct me if I'm wrong there. Uh, if, if there are other open source indexers, uh, I'd love to. I'd love to take a look and collaborate and so forth. Um, but yeah, this is this is a new world that we have going here. And even though there aren't too many of us in terms of absolute numbers, 
you know, we're talking about maybe a couple hundred thousand people who are active on Noster, which is a small number in in the global context compared to other kind of legacy social uh, networks. And but um, what we've accomplished here, sprouting this type of a network with so many users that hold their keys, uh, that uh, use dozens of different clients that are all built on the same protocol on the same open social graph this is really outstanding and and uh, quite magical i think and to be a part of it so early like i i feel very very privileged a a amen to that it's a it's really kind of an incredible thing to see how much collaboration there is between different client developers within noster that was something that really stuck out to me at Costa Rica was this wasn't a bunch of competitors getting together. Uh, this was a bunch of collaborators who may be working on different projects, but also realize that with Noster, a rising tide lifts all boats. Users are always going to have that optionality to jump clients. And so it's really a great motivation to help each other to each make sure that there is that interoperability because you're all building on the same stack. That's a lot easier to do. But then also just that the more the network itself grows, the more every client developer is going to benefit because all of their numbers are going to grow up and everyone has the incentive to make their client as good as it can possibly be to compete in the free market. Because again, users have that optionality. And I think that that's a it's a really incredible thing that even in this, I mean, in this is very free market protocol based system, there is so much collaboration and camaraderie between the different developers. That's just a, it's a beautiful thing to see. And it's such a far cry from what you see in the legacy world where everybody's keeping their algorithms close to their chest and trying to steal users from each other. And you just, Obviously, every client wants to be the best client, right? But they realize that even if another client is succeeding, that doesn't mean that they're going to fail. And I think that that's a powerful thing. It's extremely powerful. And not only that, if if you see another client succeeding, it doesn't mean that your client is going to fail. On the contrary, uh, what you know, like even if we look at things from the purely selfish point of view, let's say Primal's point of view. Um, for Primal to be successful, we absolutely need there to be at least half a dozen or a dozen top-tier, highly successful Noster clients. Uh, for our pitch to be, you know, credible, that Noster really is different than the legacy media, uh, there need to be many credible alternatives and many kind of top-tier clients. So we... It's in our interest to help the rest of the ecosystem uh, improve. Yeah, I think that that's, that's such a brilliant way to put it. And it's also a good uh, kind of segue into talking about how Noster grows. Uh, how do we hashtag grow Noster? How do we onboard more people? And I'm curious to get your take on the next wave of adoption, let's see, because adoption typically happens in these kind of waves, right? Like, in, as we discussed earlier, maybe now it's feeling like it's in a little bit of a lull. But before you know it, 
there's we just know that there's going to be slammed with another wave of new new nostriches flooding onto the protocol and i'm curious if you think that or these next few new waves let's say into 2024 2025 if those will be driven by client-based enhancements new features new functionality uh things at the ux level or if you think it's more just going to be a matter of uh, running away from the legacy systems that more and more people are going to realize they don't have the freedom to speak that they thought they did on these legacy platforms. Is it, so, you know, is it going to be running toward something which is running towards great features, great functionality, great user experience, or running away from something, running away from that legacy walled garden that they realized they were trapped in? I'm think, curious your take on that. I think it's going to be both. And uh, we, if we just stay focused and keep building the best uh, possible kind of UX and feature set on top of this open protocol, uh, we can count on the legacy players messing up repeatedly. You know, we don't know when it's going to happen and how it's going to play out, but it's pretty much guaranteed that these types of uh, things will occur. And uh, if we have a credible alternative that seems to be growing and not going away, like we said, with multiple touch points with Bitcoin, you know, people thought it would go away, you know, like a year or two into it. And then a couple of years later, still there, but bigger. Uh, I think something similar will happen with Noster uh, for, for these types of for, for the cohorts of users that are, quote, running away from stuff. What excites me more is building uh, things that uh, people can run towards, uh, you know, and uh, building this great UX around Zaps and the integrated wallet, I think, is a part of it. Um, and uh, But I think the biggest, the biggest uh, factor is going to be great content. And... Yeah. Uh, to the extent that we're able to onboard content creators who are probably more receptive to the whole kind of censorship resistance and ownership pitch than regular users are, uh, to the extent that they're uh, curious and uh, are able to get onboarded and get, get uh, have great UX and credibly be able to invite their audience to join them as well. Uh, I think as as a whole kind of industry, as a whole space, all of all of the clients combined, we still have work to do to make that UX onboarding UX better. It, it's gotten a lot better in the, in the recent months, but there's still a bit more work to do, I think. And I, we're probably talking in terms of months where everything is going to be super smooth on all platforms, right? So then, then it becomes easier for uh, somebody who believes in the ideals that Noster is kind of uh, bringing to actually invite their audience and say, hey, it's actually easy, just do this and you'll you'll be able to follow me there and so forth. Um, and when it comes to kind of interesting, unique content, I think we're already starting to have some of that. It's, kind of, it's early days, but it's delightful to see these types of things happen. So for example, if you, if you want to kind of see Jack Dorsey talk openly about what happened at Twitter, well, he's going to do that on Noster. If you want to see Snowden be openly riff with the plebs about his thoughts, that's going to happen on Noster. 
That is already happening on Ulster. If you want to tune into Lynn Alden and kind of get some of her less official takes and kind of get get to know her a little bit deeper, that's happening on Oster. NVK, Odell, you know, Preston Pish, you, yourself, you know, like a, a number of people are kind of using Noster as a different type of medium. You you guys post things on Noster that are that you wouldn't post on Twitter even though you have probably a bigger audience on Twitter or whatnot, but it's, it's already shaping up to be that type of a medium. And that's something really unique. And that's something valuable that people are going to gravitate towards those who are interested in, in following the, the, you know, the thought leaders who are kind of somehow speaking more freely on this platform. I think that honestly, that's such a, a great pitch to potential users of Noster that you have, because uh, I, I agree, it, Noster feels like a place where you can be more raw, be more authentic, be more unfiltered. And maybe that's part of it is because it's it still feels small. It still feels like this little community of of people out there. But it's a growing community. And, and as you correctly pointed out, seeing people like Jack Snowden, Lynn, just to name a few, just say things that you've, uh, do not see them say on Twitter and also go into detail and take a much more personal tone than they would on Twitter. It's really powerful to see that. And, and you truly can't find it anywhere else. Now you can find it on any single Noster client you use, but only on Noster. doesn't matter which client you're seeing it from, but it's only happening there. And I think that that is a, a great selling point for people at this stage. Uh, I'm curious, you know, I view that as a, a truly outstanding pitch for new users. I'm curious what at this stage right now, and with the growth in mind that we have for the protocol in terms of uh, network growth and users, what is your pitch to content creators? Because I agree that that's an incredibly important demographic because those are the people who make the platform. You know, everybody who's using it is creating their own type of content, right? But we're here specifically talking about people that are content creators. You even look at somebody like Tucker Carlson, who is now making X his news distribution platform. That's huge for Twitter X. And that's because he creates content that people want to see and they know they have to go there to do it. So to other content creators or to Tucker Carlson, uh, what's your pitch for why they should check out Noster and why they should especially check it out now in its early stages? Well, as a content creator, if you value sovereignty, Noster is the only game in town, really. There is no second best. There's only Noster. Uh, so on Noster, you can create your uh, profile. Uh, you can uh, post content and you can uh, have kind of censorship resistance assurances uh, to the extent that you replicate that content on a number of different relays. 
and uh, you truly own that content and the uh, and your own identity and the social graph that comes associated with it. So all your entire following is not going anywhere, regardless of what any individual client, Nostra client or service uh, wants to say about it. This is what Nostra gives, and I think this is uh, Nostra uniquely provides this. Um, I'm not aware of other platforms that can do or protocols that uh, have are able to provide this to such an extent. On top it's, of that, sorry, sorry. Uh, no, no. The second part of the pitch, of course, has <clears throat> to be related to Zaps. Noster has uh, like a monetary network that is attached to it, where you can use, uh, you know, Bitcoin Lightning payments. Uh, and monetize your content directly from your audience, where uh, the, 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 without any middleman or intermediary, um, uh, your users are able to pay for content or, and reward good content with tips and so forth. So those those are that's a powerful combination of features that Noster brings to the table, and it's not just theoretical. There actually is a network, a, a you know, a vibrant, growing network of humans who have already been onboarded and are using it and having a lot of fun every day there. You know, like I kind of um, tuned out of Twitter or X for quite a few months now, mostly because I don't even have time to, you know, browse Noster most days. But uh, I got in the other day and it's like, man, the vibes are so low. It's it's re it really is doom scrolling. Um, so um, I guess that would be maybe a third aspect of the pitch, uh, to both to users and content creators. The vibes are just a lot nicer, a lot better on Noster. I don't know if that's a function of it being a very small network or not, uh, but it's, it's a fact. So let's see what happens as it grows from here. And three valid points for the pitch. And I think it's, we're going to look back in a few years at the idea of zaps. And I, I think Dorsey said this when they first came out, that this is the first fundamentally new thing for social media in a very long time, because it's the highest form of signal you can possibly have, which is monetary value. It's not just a, a like, which can be spammed. Sure, a retweet gets you out to a larger audience, but it's still something that can be very easily spammed. If you want to spam zaps, at least there's a monetary cost. So it's decreasing the incentive to spam them, right? But more so than that, it is genuinely the most pure form of signal that somebody could give you to say, I value what you are doing. I value what you created. And I'm showing it to you by literally sending you value without a middleman. And there's no YouTube taking a cut. There's you know no, no middleman to say, hmm. We don't actually like that particular thing you said, so we're not going to allow you to monetize that video because you said fuckity fuck fuck too many times. Uh, so now you can't, you know, can't make any money off that video. It's like, no, no, no. Your fellow users decide what is valuable to them and reward you accordingly. And I think that that is beautiful. And I'm curious because something I've been, <clears throat> excuse me, thinking about a little bit is for creators. Are we going to see the rise of uh, creator-specific relays or content-specific relays that are paid relays where I am a creator, 
And let's let's just say, for the sake of example, off the top of my head, I am posting pictures of my feet that people really, really want. But I'm only posting those pictures. I'm only broadcasting them to my footster relay. And if you want to see those feet, uh, you need to subscribe to that relay. And it's a paid relay. Do you think we're going to see more of that? And then the other flip side of that is curated content specific relays where we say that, okay, on this relay, uh, we whatever notes we get broadcast, we filter those out for the users and we only serve to them notes that have, again, for example, feet or only food picks, whatever it might be. Have you guys thought about that at all? Do you think that, or is that, is that sort of filtering something that should just be done at the client level versus the relay level? I'm curious to get your take on that. Sure, we think about these types of things all the time, as do all other Nostra developers, and there's debates and things like that. I don't know how it's going to play out. And what I know for sure is that we collectively are going to try all of those things. <laughs> Everything is allowed, so everything will be tried. And this is another massive, massive uh, strong points that Noster has. No one can stop you as a developer to try that. So people will do it. And we'll get to see, we'll, we as users will get to witness it all go down and we'll vote with our sats and our patronage and stuff like that. But uh, uh, everything will be tried and probably the best ideas will bubble up to the top and gain the users and the support. And that's, this is how it's going to, uh, you know, play out in the end. That, that is kind of the incredible thing about this being completely open. The, if it, if it can be tried, it will be tried at least by someone and the cream will rise to the top because again, because of zaps, you have this ability to to really get so much, uh, to get such better feedback than you would in a traditional network. And even just thinking about the insane pace of development from you guys, from Will, from Snort, from any of these clients over again, it's about to be one year ago tomorrow that I joined Noster and it's, it feels like there's been something new released by someone every hour of every day to where, as you said earlier, I, I can't even begin to keep up with it. Pablo is out there, just this wild card, building things all the time as well. You know, I, when he came out with Highlighter, just out of nowhere, I was like, well, this is amazing. What a brilliant thing. And that being based on, uh, you know, Gigi's writing purple text, orange highlights gave him that idea. And so he just built it and people like it and it's useful. It's so incredible to see. I feel like with open protocols like Noster, you have this feedback loop that is so much faster than in traditional platforms where, you know, you're, you're developing in the background, in the dark with nobody watching you, and then you roll something out to users and the features that you roll out are based on what you focus grouped with, you know, some, uh, that some agency focus grouped for you. And you think that people are really going to like them and you roll them out and it turns out people hate them. And those features stick around for another two weeks or a month, a couple of sprints until you decide to roll them back because, oh my God, turns out the market hated this. On Noster, it's like, oh, I had this idea, so I built it. What do you guys think? 
and people will tell you in real time and you can tweak in real time and you're building it in the open from the start. And that's just, it's wild to see that actually happening. And I mean, I'm sure you guys, uh, get so many uh, different requests for enhancements, for features, you know, constantly somebody is, uh, adding you saying, Oh, this, this is great. Or this sucks. This works. This doesn't. And that's probably frustrating at times, but it's also so powerful because you're getting great feedback in real time. And I'm curious what, you know, what you guys are kind of focusing on. What's, I know you want to finish up the, uh, browser and the Android app by, uh, in this next little while here, the browser to me seems very complete already. So I'm curious what the final, final form will be, but what else are you guys really excited about in terms of things that you're working on right now, uh, that you think is going to really get folks on Noster really excited. So first of all, your point, uh, there about, uh, user feedback and feature requests and many, many bug reports, um, <laughs> All of that's music to our ears. Any any developer worth worth their salt uh, will appreciate all feedback, even one star reviews. If somebody took the time to, you know, provide that feedback with a one star review and basically whatever the, the the comment is, like this product has no redeeming properties. Obviously, it's a one star, and this is what bothered me about it. Um, that's way better than radio silence. Radio silence, once you launch a product, is the kiss of death, right? It means nobody cares, right? So I think uh, at Primal and like many, many other Noster uh, developers, uh, we are getting a lot of feedback. And it, it can get overwhelming sometimes because like the bar is being set by these you know, multi-billion dollar companies that, that have been at this for like 10 years. <laughs> And people are like, well, how come you don't do this and this and this? It's like, yeah, we'll get to it. Um, so, uh, but, you know, we're quite happy with what we were able to accomplish with a very a relatively small team. We're only six people, actually, um, in, in a short amount of time. And what comes next? Uh, well, yeah, we'll finish off version 1.0. Uh, Beyond that, we really like, you know, things things that are, we like to see what's taking off on Noster. So obviously the social media aspects of the network are, are have taken off, definitely. That's probably uh, the most used, uh, most used content type on Noster. Probably the second most used is long form content, long form textual content. And um, for me, this, this, is extremely important. This type of content is kind of falls in the, into the same category of online speech, online textual speech is what Noster really excels at. Um, and uh, guys at Habla and Blockstack and others are doing an amazing job and love to see like all their all of their progress. So I, th I, I think we would, you know, we'll uh, focus on integrating long long form port, uh, content into primal clients in a, in a nice way in a kind of uh, the level of UX that people have come to expect from us where uh, hopefully uh, it, the, that type of content will get more eyes and encourage uh, content creators to write more of it uh, would love to see uh, you know we already have <clears throat> excuse me um 
we already have a decent amount of content when you, I don't know how much time you spend on Habla, but there's just some very thoughtful pieces there. Um, but I think we can take that to the next level and start competing with the likes of Medium and uh, Substack, etc. To me, that's a very uh, important kind of segment of, of the market that Noster is uniquely equipped to, to dominate, honestly. So that's very exciting to us. I, I completely agree on the long form side of things because it just makes sense to use Noster for this kind of content. Because again, in contrast to Medium or to Substack, whatever it may be, you're still using a, a, a walled garden of sorts versus being able to take your note, which just happens to be a, a long form type note and blast it out everywhere. And it's accessible everywhere on all of these different clients. And some of which are, you know, purpose built for the best experience with long form, but still accessible for the others. And I would be, I would be very surprised if we did not see a huge influx of journalists in the next couple of years, because to me, it just makes sense. Uh, you have the ability to freely publish whatever you want. You can directly monetize it without needing to, uh, you know, clutter your web page where you're of your news site with a bunch of ads. And you know that if you're, you know, for a person or for an organization, you could run your own relay and be able to make sure all of that is backed up so that you're not going to ever have it taken, taken down by whatever the hosting provider is, you know, and that's hugely powerful. And I think at the place we're at right now in uh, the long arc of history, more and more people are starting to wake up to the fact that it's, it's not free speech unless everyone has the ability to speak and to be heard. Now, those on the receiving side can choose not to listen, but they can't choose to silence you. And so, I hope that as more people wake up to that, we're going to see that larger influx of people who say, wow, this is a new paradigm. This is completely, I'm not in the walled gardens anymore. I'm in the open field and I can, I can speak freely. I can post freely and nobody can take me down, can shut me off. And I think that's a, that's a really powerful thing. So I, I hope we see more and more journalists try out Noster. Yeah, I we'll, think we'll what, what's going to happen is we'll he, we'll see real journalists uh, flock to Noster uh, for all the reasons that you mentioned, and of course, uh, on top of that, we have the monetization aspect as well, where they will be able to get rewarded for their work by the users directly. So, where the whole advertising model gets cut out of the picture, that the entire web is kind of based on. And with its perverse incentives and uh, you end up working for your users you end up working for your you know readers if you're a journalist uh, for us we're app developers we would like to monetize by you know directly you know uh, providing services to the users 
without having to rely on advertisers. We'd love to be in a place where we just all work for the user all day long. I think that's a beautiful world and we're going to get there. I'm uh, just because you mentioned advertising, I'm curious and you and I have, have spoken a little bit about this idea before of, of Zapvertising and for those who are not familiar with this concept, it's the idea of a person, a brand, an organization zapping you with uh, a message included with their zap or a link or a video, whatever it might be to get that message directly in front of you by assigning monetary value to it. But also depending on what client you're using, uh, it may be shown at the, uh, at the top of the stack of other zaps if it has a higher value. I'm curious if you've you've thought any more about that, uh, just the general concept of Zapvertising. For me, it's still, I believe, a really viable way to increase the monetary value that is flowing around the network. And it's also a bit of a chicken and egg situation where in order for people who want to advertise to bring monetary value to the network and spend it on various notes, they need to know that the network is going to give them a return on that investment of theirs, which requires more user growth, more content creators, more diverse types of content. But I'm curious, you know, your thoughts on Zapvertising in general, have, have you guys dabbled with any ideas there or where, where are you at with, with that entire kind of concept? I think you're onto something there. Uh, and we'd love to step in and uh, experiment with it a little bit after we uh, ship version 1.0. So that's one of those like multiple, yeah. you know, it's on our list of things to, to um, work on. Long list. <laughs> it's a long list, but it's pretty close to the top of the list. I, I th really think there's something there. And uh, I'll actually reach out uh, when, once we get into that to kind of discuss some UX around it and, and see how we, can, uh, how, how we can do this effectively. I think this falls into that category of everything that we talked about, which is uh, it's allowed, so it will be tried. And I think we'll, we'll just see many experiments around that. I can tell you, we from Primal, we're definitely going to participate in those experiments. And we'll just see what sticks. Yeah, absolutely. I know I'm currently still experimenting with it myself at my uh, personal podcast brand level. You know, whenever I send off a zap, I'll just throw in a, a link to a video or to an episode that I've just released. And at least then if somebody decides to take a look at it, they know that I've given them some value. I also do it on posts that I still find valuable myself. So there's a beautiful flow of value in both directions. And if I can ask just on the topic of value in general, you mentioned you have a team of six. You guys have been uh, building on this open protocol, Noster. Are, can I ask, are you guys fundraising? Are you, how are you basically, or how are you thinking about monetizing? Because obviously you've got to keep the lights on. You've got to put food on the table. You've got to pay your developers. Can you talk about that at all? Just what are your thoughts on that? Because I know people are, it's a very polarizing thing. Should you raise money? You know, should you go to VCs? Should you raise from friends and family? How should that be handled with Noster? And does it change the incentives at all? So what's your take on that? 
Yeah, this is an important topic, and I think many people are rightfully cautious about uh, getting VCs involved at such an early stage of, of a protocol like Noster. Uh, luckily, you know, Noster is one thing. It's, it's a protocol that the, cannot be coerced by anyone. Uh, and then we have a number of teams, uh, mostly very small teams, uh, working on building clients and services and so forth. And most of those teams are either self-funded or the, we, the, are kind of beneficiaries of uh, some grants. Uh, luckily, we have OpenSats. Uh, that are uh, managing a substantial pool of money for, for Noster terms that for for open source Noster projects. So that's great. Uh, we have not applied for a grant, even though all of our everything that we do is open source. We have decided to uh, go the VC route. So we raised uh, a seed round uh, from 1031 Capital and uh, Hive Mind Ventures and a few angels. Uh, back in April or May uh, this year. Uh, so when selecting the investors, when selecting the VC partners that we work with, we were extremely careful to uh, work with the right people. Uh, so uh, you, you want to make sure you're perfectly aligned when it comes to the long-term vision for this network. And at the time we, when we were negotiating these deals, uh, our plan actually was uh, to open source the caching service because we saw that, uh, you know, the danger of that, uh, if, that if we keep that closed, that it would uh, centralize the network, as well as the uh, clients. But some parts of our backend we wanted to keep uh, closed source, kind of as an edge, the analytics and so forth. Um, and then a couple of months later, uh, after we had raised, uh, we decided to go ahead and open source everything. Uh, and I was delighted to see, like, not that we needed any sort of permission from our investors, that, that we don't have that kind of a deal with them. But still, you know, you want to, you want to, uh, you know, keep everybody in the loop. And I was, I, I honestly respect their opinion. So I, I ran this by them, and it was a unanimous, immediate yes. This is absolutely the best uh, move for the network, uh, and and th we got full support from them. And it, we didn't get any of, uh, any of those. Oh yes, maybe, but wait a wait a little bit, wait a you know <laughs> year or two. No, it was it was very. Uh, it was it, it confirmed that our choice of uh, VC partners was correct. So we are funded uh, for like, f we have runway for another year or so. Uh, right now we're not focused on raising, we're just focused on building. It's a nice place to be. We can we can build for a long time with this and, and uh, that's what we like to do. We like to focus on building. That's, that's incredible. Hey, just hearing that story of a startup deciding to open source all of its code after fundraising and having your investors say, yes, great decision. That's something that, and I'm not super familiar with this space, only recently becoming more so, but I have to imagine that's a pretty rare occurrence in typical VC land. I think uh, you would have usually gotten shouted out of the room for suggesting that you were just going to be giving away 
all of your you know trade secrets uh but but it's it goes back to the point of a rising tide lifting all boats for this network you know as the network grows so does the value of all client providers who are building on top of it and it's it's great to see people actually put their money where their mouth is from a, the investor seat and say yes we believe in you guys and we believe in this network so we want the network to be as great as possible because that's what's going to make your products your services ultimately as good as they can be in the long run it's a it's a very low time preference mentality yes. versus the short-term thinking high time preference keep it close to the chest don't tell a soul it's really really inspiring to see honestly absolutely and that's a point that's not being made uh almost ever right, in the context of vcs in oster uh the handful of vcs that are you know participating in this space you have to give them a lot of credit for their courage and their vision and kind of for being mission aligned on a long-term basis uh, to be with us on this uh, because they're taking quite a bit of risk they're taking a, the usual startup risk most startups don't make it right? i know i've had quite a few who didn't, didn't make it <laughs> um, and then you're taking a on top of that you're taking a protocol risk that's a compound risk like the, you know if if you're investing in a Noster based startup in May of 2023, well, that's a long shot. But that's the the, the investors we were able to, uh, you know, uh, get on board, showed the courage and the long term vision to be with us and then to support us moving forward. So that's to be respected. I, I don't think they get enough respect, actually. Usually, like Noster people, they like to, you know, I guess maybe there's trauma around you know, the likes of Twitter getting co-opted by by uh, the financial interests, you know, according to uh, Jack's, uh, you know, uh, story. So it's understandable. We need to be vigilant. Um, but also let's not overcorrect, right? Like there are some really good players, good, good actors in this uh, space that are actually going to help us grow. It's It's great to see. And it's a really a testament to open source uh, focused VCs, you know, or ones that are at least open to open source. It's not something you see every day. And I hope that it starts more of a trend in that direction. I think a lot of these Bitcoin only VCs, that's all part, you know, it's weaved into their ethos because they are true Bitcoiners and they want to advance open source freedom tech. And yes, they also want to make money because there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with being a capitalist. Uh, capitalism really just means you are creating value and other people find what you have created valuable and give you their value for it. And that's what you guys are doing here. And I'm, I'm really glad to see it. And speaking of value, your time, I know, is very valuable. So I want to be conscious of it because it is scarce. Before we close out, and I've really just loved this conversation here today, totally different topic, but uh, are you reading anything right now when you're not developing and building uh, that you would recommend? I just finished The Mandibles. Okay, I st it's still on my shelf. I Carlo read it, I have not yet. So did, did you enjoy it? Oh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. 
I thought I thought the author nailed many of the details of a kind of society that starts to disintegrate after the money stops working. Uh, um, she, like I was able to draw many parallels to to my experience back decades ago in Serbia, and uh, yeah, it was at the same time kind of sad, tragic, and hilarious. Uh, it, like so many hilarious anecdotes, uh, the, the, the characters were great, uh, and actually some of the some of the events that she described actually transpired in my family, like almost verbatim to do to the way she described it. So maybe I'll share one if if, if that's okay. Please, so I love it. One of my favorite characters in the book is this uh, Fiat economists economics professor called Lowell. And he's my favorite character because he continuously gets wrecked throughout the whole book. He, he just keeps getting wrecked and keeps kind of uh, stubbornly, you know, hanging on to his beliefs uh, and continues to get punched in the face. So, so that, was, that was delicious to just, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> observe. But one of, the, one of the scenes was like he gets, he gets a bunch of back pay from the university and goes to the grocery store. We're talking about months of back pay, goes to the grocery store and is not able to get the groceries with the money he got. And then he just leaves in disgust. And this is precisely what happened to my dad. Uh, he, he was a university professor, not of economics, thankfully, of computer science. <laughs> but he got his, I think, monthly pay, it's like a whack of dinners. He went to the grocery store and had like a, a list that my mom provided, couldn't pay for the groceries, and he just left. He just like picked up and left. My mom wanted to kill him, of course, because like, what do you mean? You've got nothing. We have people coming over tonight and all of that. But uh, it was one of those moments that kind of hit me. It's like, hey, this is very real what she's talking about here. This is not, uh, just, this is not fiction. <laughs> Man. Um, so ho hopefully it's a cautionary tale. And, uh, you know, one thing that she got terribly wrong is Bitcoin. But I think she came around since, uh, you know, in, in, in her book, Bitcoin doesn't make it. It gets one sentence in the whole book. Bitcoin didn't make it, basically. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of hope uh, that, that we Bitcoiners and, and ostriches are aware of. And that's uh, that's kind of nice to be in that hopeful uh, part of the society that are kind of this, that's observing all of this and is building the alternative, the alternative financial system and also the alternative media is, is and com communications is what we're doing in Oster. So um, it feels good to wake up every morning and work on that stuff. It's, it's such a true thing that these two protocols side by side and sometimes overlapping Noster and Bitcoin, they do provide so much hope. Like I think for myself, probably for you, for many people out there, the world would seem a very, very dark place, devoid of much hope if it weren't for Bitcoin and Noster. Because it and not just at the protocol level, but at the people level, the people that you see spending their time, their energy, their life's work building on these because they realize them as 
the most important things they could be working on. That's so inspiring to see. And I'm so grateful to, to you, to all of the builders out there who do that hard work. So thank you very, very much. And now for anyone that's listening here, go check out Primal, primal.net. It's available on the App Store. Uh, should they just search Primal, uh, Primal Noster? What's Primal best to search for them? I'll link it in the show notes as well. Um, anywhere else they should go or that that good for now? I'll link you as well, uh, but let me know. Primal.net is good, and or you can search for Primal in the App Store. All right. Well, Milian, thank you so much for your time here today. I really enjoyed this. Bitcoin is scarce, but Bitcoin podcasts are abundant. So thank you for spending your scarce time to join me for another fucking Bitcoin podcast. It's been a pleasure and I look forward to doing it again, I hope. Let's do it. I loved every minute of it. Thank you, Walker. And that's a wrap on this Bitcoin talk episode of the Bitcoin podcast. If you are a Bitcoin-only company interested in sponsoring another fucking Bitcoin podcast, head to bitcoinpodcast.net or hit me up on social media. On Noster, head to primal.net slash walker. And on Twitter, search for at Walker America or at Titcoin Podcast. You can also watch the video version of this show on X or on YouTube by going to youtube.com slash at Walker America or Rumble by searching for at Walker America. Bitcoin is scarce. There will only ever be 21 million. But Bitcoin podcasts are abundant. So thank you for spending your scarce time to listen to another fucking Bitcoin podcast. Until next time, stay free.